our flaws. They overgrow us. As we get older, we take our bedwetting circus public. We cover up until the cover gets blown. Usually by someone in our home, family, the place we're naked and ashamed. And then we judge each other with emotions inflamed. Definitely no Eden. Parents stop potty training under the illusion they'll grow out bedwetting. They'll also mature out of lying and porn. They're spoilt, but they're so cute. Time is not a parent. So our martial lives together ill-spent yield urine-baptized beds from the cradle to the grave. Or buy a waste or perfume. Masks mating it better. So we remain a bedwetter instead of getting potty trained. Exchange buttons well. Lincoln here from Turn to Transformational Man Cave, where we encourage males to crush effeminacy and aspire to domestic excellence. We are introducing you to another one of our book tours, and this is on our Life Raft series. And this series is to go deep into a number of important issues, and today we're going through the first issue in this light life raft series on youthful succession and who a good successor is this is important in strong families because a family unit will involve one generation or one uh, one age group handing over a baton or some legacy to another age group and this issue of being a successor is important in the same way uh, relay team trains how to hand the baton from one uh, leg or one one team member to the next because that is how the, the race is won when we can successfully move from one age group to the next and continue to build a legacy so this is a rally that represents that's on the topic of the youthful succession and this is what I believe God has allowed me to capture on the topic and as in 1st Thessalonians 5 verse 21 we suggest thorough personal examination and scrutiny uh, before any application we will be probably in the next couple of weeks walking through some of this some of these thought nuggets with you sharing these views and we encourage your feed your reaction we suggest that you look into this very deeply deep deeply and thoughtfully I guess we could make the words together deep fully and we pray that the holy spirit will breathe on every character in these thought bites in jesus name your questions and comments can be submitted to connect at fantifamily.com so here we go are you impressed or embarrassed by your family name are you tired of the bad examples in your family can you use your parents or relatives as good excuses as to why you misbehave are you fed down of the failure that seems to haunt you and your relatives does it seem that your family always experiences failed businesses anger unwanted pregnancies substance abuse bankruptcy ignorance bad romantic choices covetousness poor education 
high job turnover, divorce, etc. You could add to that list. Well, today I bring you good news of great joy. Because of a Hebrew man called Jesus Christ of Nazareth being a youthful, and we would say Clemepicha, C-L-E-M-E-P-I-C-H-A, that acronym will be explained, successor of his heavenly father, Yahweh Elohim. We are free to live in God's image again, and we are free to improve our bloodline. However, Matthew 4, which is a reference in the Holy Bible, says we have to experience a change in our minds and actions, or the ancient word is repent, to welcome the innocence, the peace, and the joy of Christ in our lives. We can take responsibility for our lives and we can reverse bad family outcomes by developing a relationship with Christ from an early age. We here at Family Family feel that God wants us to know and be encouraged that as 2 Peter 1 verse 3 says in the Holy Bible, He, God, has made every preparation and provision for us to be his successors and from an early age. See 2 Timothy 3 verse 15 in the Holy Bible. God defines himself as the intergenerational God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. These are three brothers of three patriarchs as they're called in the Holy Bible. And hence Yahweh God wants, this is the father of Christ, he wants good successors, not just single generational believers. We're making a point that God doesn't just want you to have uh, one person in a family line being a good successor of Christ or a good messianic successor. He wants a string of successors. Now, who is a successor? A successor is someone who follows, imitates, bears the name, quote-unquote, replaces or fully reflects and represents his father or other predecessors, their legacy, in identity, their desire or their pedigree. We as youths can and are empowered and expected to solely represent or imitate our heavenly dad more so than our flesh dad to the extent where our heavenly father says call no man father that's in Matthew 23 verse 9 and we're going to take a break and continue after transformational man cave continuing on our first thug sorry on our first life raft tour and this is uh where we're going in depth on this topic of succession youthful succession and we ended the previous segment on saying that god wants us to represent him and imitate him so badly that he says that we shouldn't even call our heavenly dad or call no man or father there's a certain reasoning behind it in that he doesn't want us to he wants us to solely depend on him our heavenly father for the legacy and many of us when you look at it it's a genuine this is a genuine motivation from god because many of us many of our earthly fathers have given us the total opposite legacy that we that we should want to carry on we should want to go in the opposite direction many of us to the legacy that our earthly fathers have left us so continuing here on this issue we are god's legacy 
or name bearers. Genesis 1 tells us that we're created in God's image and likeness. So when we say, for example, in the name of Jesus, and there's a a good project on YouTube called The Bible Project. They have a very good series on the name of of Yahweh. Excuse me, what the name means. So when we say that we are God's legacy or name bearers, when we say in the name of Jesus or call ourselves Christian, I think the term that people use is Christian. Everybody is a Christian nowadays anyway. We are claiming to be from the pedigree or bloodline of Jesus Christ. And that claim is blasphemy or a divine lie without the C-L-E-M-E-P-I-C-H-A Clement Peacher mindset and principle. In the streets, only claim the set you're from. Only, for example, top six claim top six. This is a previously very dominant gang in Florida. Only MS-13 claims MS-13. And only one order, which is one of the historically very popular gangs in Jamaica. Only one order claims one order. The point here is don't front with God. If you're not from God's bloodline, do not claim to be a Christian. It is my impression that God wants us to be more excited about representing Him than about anything representing Him or succeeding Him. He wants us to be more excited about representing or succeeding Him than about anything else including video games, fashion, worldly pleasure, making a life, and entertainment. God knows many youths have been robbed of good fathers. But even in the absence of good earthly fathers, there is no excuse for spiritual identity neglect, S-I-N, sin, as God is available to all at the same time. He is omnipresent and he is available to directly father us and he surpasses all earthly fathers combined. He is the father. Good parents plan for their children to carry on their business their identity, their legacy, and their bloodline successfully. John 3 verse 16 imprints that God has a biological or unique, a son that represents him completely in King Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And this son fully carried on his business, which is wholehearted in loving his father and giving man everlasting life. We're going to pause today and we encourage you to look out for another episode, hopefully Life Spirit, the near future. And we're going to be talking about the will of God and we're touching on the topic. Do we know our father's business in the coming, in the soon to be imminent episode? We encourage you to send your questions, comments, your reactions to connect at familyfamily.com. Link us on our Facebook handle at FamTStrong. You can also, if you're on Anchor, send us a shout out, a call in, and you can also go to our website at famtfamily.com. If you want a strong family that can hand over the baton well, we are very, very excited about this Light Life Raft series. And it's not just good that you run a good race yourself, but if you're on a relay team and you run the best leg, but you fumble the baton, and you don't make a very good exchange to the next team member that can cost the race. We want to run good races ourselves, yes, but we want to have great transitions to the next team. And I can encourage you to have a great day, great weekend, crushing effeminacy. Why rob God and this world off you? And
and your family and until next time be nuclear from turn to burn fantasyfamily.com's transformational man cave where we encourage you to crush effeminacy and aspire to domestic excellence continuing on our light raft tour of the devotionals and material that you can use to help to lead your family into some deeper truths this particular life raft is about youthful succession and we yesterday made ending on a point that good successes, good parents plan for their children to carry on their legacy, carry on their business. And today we're going to be continuing on that. Thank you for being present with us. How many youths know what your earthly father's business is? Then we're making the point that for us to carry on our earthly father's business, for us to be good succession successors, we need to know what we're, what our legacy is. We need to know what our father's business is. Many religious, many pretend religious people do not practice the Heavenly Father's will. And we talk many times about God's will as if it is some dark secret. Partly because of this ignorance, many youths have no clue what the Father's business or his empire or his will is, or know how to represent him. Colossians 1 verse 9 in the Holy Bible urges us to be filled with the knowledge of God's will, his choice, his purpose, his decree. God's business or his preferred plan or sovereign will or his desire is no secret as it litters the entire Bible and includes a number of elements. Firstly, number one, man loving him and training their successors to be God's lovers and successors. See Deuteronomy 6 verses 5 to 7 in the Holy Bible. Number two, God's will involves giving man eternal or everlasting life. See John 3 16, John 10 28, and where everlasting life is Christ and intimacy with the Father. See John 11 25 to 26, John 17 3, John 14 6 in the Holy Bible. To unpack this a little bit, just as we have food chains, we have value chains, chains being an interconnected series of activities and outcomes, we are part of the eternal life chain where God came, gave us life through Christ, his only begotten son, and now we go and we share life with the world. And it continues in what many people call a relay or a multiplier or snowball effect. We made a point earlier about a relay team and one person completes a leg, passes on to another. And we're saying that Christ did his leg in terms of what everlasting life is. He showed us a man living life in unison with the Heavenly Father and that man being Christ died rose again and he imparts himself through the through his spirit his breath the holy spirit to other men who believe other persons 
humans, male and female, who believe in him and they now share his breath with those around them as part of a discipleship process. Number three, God's will is saving the world through him himself, John 3.17. He saves the world himself and God involves us as his weapons of mass salvation. God's will is number four. His voluntary... Okay, let me go back to number three. We follow from the second point in number three. God say We are not... Uh, Christians do not save the world. God saves the world himself. See John 3, 17. And we are involved in the process of transmitting the salvation to others. But that salvation is done by God. And it is his will that we... He saves the world himself, but it's his will that we pass on that salvation to others through this process of discipleship. Number four, God's will is his voluntary, full-time, compulsory global worship. And that is that all mankind will deliberately eliminate every choice but to be so impressed by God that we live permanent, in permanent submission to him. See Exodus 20 verses 3 to 6, Psalm 22 verse 3, Psalm 107, Revelation 19, 1 to 6, Psalm 34 verse 1. Now to unpack this issue of global worship of God, soul global worship of God, false worship is mockery. See Mark number Mark chapter 15 verses 16 to 20, Matthew 27 verse 29 in the Holy Bible. And God wants a cessation of mockery. See Galatians 6 verses 7 to 8. But as Abba Yahweh showed, or Father God showed, with Isaac, and that name means laughter after Sarah mocked, Sarah mocked him. Sarah is Abraham's, um, Abraham's, uh, Abraham's wife. He, God, can extract victory out of mockery as Israel, which means man who rules as God. Israel succeeded Isaac and resurrection follows crucifixion. Number five, and let's just take a break here and we'll get right back to this after the break. You or someone you know are interested in buying, selling, or investing in real estate in Naples, Florida. Give Rashid Willesley a call at 239-207-2955. That's 239-207-2955. Lincoln here from Turn to Burn, continuing on our tour of the life raft of this is actually our first in this series of going a little bit in depth in in some family devotionals well you can use this as a family devotionals devotional in your business at your classroom and this first one is on succession being a youthful succession plan a youthful successor and we call this clement picture this will become clear Hopefully, if you continue on this process with us, but we're saying that a successor is one who carries on his father's legacy. And to do this, you must know what your father's legacy is. We started to go through the legacy of our heavenly father because we made the point, don't call any man father except your heavenly father. This is a point that Christ made. 
that speaks to how deeply God wants us to understand that our real legacy is that of our heavenly father, um, more so than that of any earthly man that considers himself our father. So what is that legacy? What is that will? We started to go through a number of those elements and we thank you for being present as we continue this process. We're continuing now with the fifth element of what we are calling God's will. What the Bible teaches us is God's will, and this is abundant life. See John 10, verse 10b in the Holy Bible. The thief comes but to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And that's in the Holy Bible, John 10, verse 10b. God wants us to be all he can be. Sinful man's best is hell as all have fallen short of God's glory. Hitler and Manson probably did their best given their heathen constraints. However, there is no way man's best outside Christ is of any eternal use. God asked Job in Job 41 verse 1 whether he can wrestle Leviathan with a fishing rod. This question captures our best effort in life without an intimate relationship with Christ. We're making the point that God does, just, does not just want us to be the best we can be because some of our best is just not good enough and we need a better best. He gave us that better best in Christ and that is the best that mankind is expected to uphold, not our best because our best can end us up in a gang, in a, can end us up uh, hugging a stripper, a stripper pole, can end us up selling selling people in a in human trafficking that could be many people's best so he does not want us to be our best he wants us to be all to, to be all he can be not all we can be god's will is flesh mastery number six flesh mastery and displaying sanctification see first thessalonians 4 verse 3 to 5 we're going to pick this up a little more god's will his business this is what we're called to be successors in is perfection and this is one that we're probably going to spend a little bit of time on. See Genesis 17 verse 1, Matthew 5 verse 48, Ephesians 4 13. Now it's become popular, even in religious institutions such as churches, to detest anyone who declares perfection in Christ. I will only ask then, is the church worshipping a practical joker God who commands us to be who he knows we cannot be in him? Now pre-Calvary, Elohim, who is God, the head of the Godhead, commanded Abram and Christ exhorted his disciples in the Beatitudes to be perfect. Post-Calvary, Calvary is that place where Christ was crucified on the cross, so we're making this point now that since Christ's crucifixion, that is, under the grace and the messianic covenant with Jesus Christ, Brother Paul, we explained who Paul was in other, in other podcasts, Brother Paul exhorts perfection in the call to perfection in 2 Corinthians 13, verse 9 to 11. The essence of the doctrine is that our Father, the creator of the heavens and earth, he wants his children to, to his children fully prepared, excuse me, to represent him or represent him. He wants us without flaw, as that is his image. He wants us excellent. He wants us fully equipped and to declare Christ. Paul ends the Corinth letter with a call to perfection, knowing the background of this community. 
Corinth was a Greco-Spartan town infused with rebellion. Spartans were of as good a reputation as Nazarenes. It was a port town and seemed to have a lewd reputation of carnality. These would be the perfect these would be people perfected in Christ, as in, and now Paul agitates them to perfection in Christ. Sorry, these would be people perfected in sin. And now Paul agitates them to perfection in Christ. I'm pretty sure there are a lot of questions you may have so far. We urge you. We're going to continue on this. There are a lot more elements of the will of God that we want to share with you. We urge you to share your questions and reactions with us at connect at familyfamily.com. You could also send us a voice note if you're on the Anchor platform by sending us a voice call in. If you are not on this platform, you can uh, you can contact us at our face at our Facebook handle at famtstrong, and you can you can also go to our website at famtyfamily.com. Share this with your friends and family. If you're head of a family, share this with your family members on the issue of who a successor is. <clears throat> we also urge you to share this with your colleagues at work. Share this with your, if you're in a classroom, with your friends. So Lincoln, encouraging you to have a great day crushing effeminacy. Why rob God in this world of you and your family? And until next time, be nuclear. It's our job to destroy the works of the devil. Lincoln here from Turn to Burn FamilyFamily.com's Transformational Man Cave, where we encourage males to crush effeminacy and aspire to domestic excellence. We are on our life raft on this topic of youthful succession. We started going through our Heavenly Father's will, and we're at number the eighth element in our Heavenly Father's will. And this is destroying the works of the devil. Thank you for being present with us. Destroying the works of the devil is one of the aspects of our Heavenly Father's will, and that's in 1 John 3, verse 8. And the works of the devil are described as mindsets from Galatians 5, verses 19 to 21. And these mindsets include adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lavishness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, etc. And the works of the devil also include the, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And that is from 1 John 2, verse 16. So one of the elements of the, the succession of believers, the messianic believer, is to destroy these manifestations of evil. The ninth element is freely healing sickness, casting out devils, restoring unity and dignity in family and society by destroying contagious terminal ailments. For example, le leprosy, hepatitis C, AIDS, and raising the premature dead. See Matthew chapter 10 verses 68. The tenth element is to receive and manifest God's glory. And glory here speaks to his weight, his worthiness, his beauty, his, his extravagant show, 
by being as unified as the Holy Godhead. See John 17, verse 20 to 23. And so one of the points we're making is that what we get to manifest is the glory of God, his weight, his impact, his worthiness. We get to be the physical manifestations of God by being unified as his body. The unity of the messianic family shows the glory of God as the supreme being. That is in John 17, 20 to 23. Number 11. That martyrs or witnesses, the messianic community, we are totally confident in God's friendship. That regardless of his opponents, he's never afraid. We're making the point in Joshua 1 verse 9 that one of the parts of the will of God is that we are always confident in God's friendship and his impact in our life regardless of what our opponents throw at us. That we're always bold. Number 12, that man recognizes God as the present attentive supreme being or Elohim in the most private part of the earth and man living awestruck, impressed, fearing Yahweh, the Father of Christ, everywhere on this planet. Man can and should know that earth belongs to the attentively awesome God. And that's from Exodus chapter 8, verse 22 in the Holy Bible. We're making the point that man Part of the will of God is that everywhere on this planet that a human being is located, that they, that even if it's in the most private part of the earth, that man should know that every inch of earth belongs to God, and it is our, it is God's will that we are, we are severely impressed and we fear Him. Fear here means to be reverent, reverential of Him, to resp- to have utmost respect for God everywhere not just at certain parts on this planet number 13 that his successors the heavenly diaspora that they manifest his omnipotent omnipotent means all-powerful love by going to the entire world teaching the gospel baptizing and immersing or initiating people into the experience of the character so they say the baptizing them in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit Number, and that's in Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. So the, the dispersion of the name of God, the dispersion of his, his character through discipleship is part of the will of God. This is called the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Number 14 is man fulfilling Christ's joy. God, Yahweh, the Father of Christ, wants us to be fully, wants us to fully exhaust his son's carnally independent calm, delight, and pleasure, or his joy. John 17, 13. God doesn't just want us to dabble in joy and have a fleeting experience with his joy. He wants us to fully exhaust his joy, to fulfill his joy. And we're going to continue on our Heavenly Father's will right after the break. Join the Family Institute today and learn how to make better life choices by cultivating a godly mindset in our Messianic Mentorship programs. All programs are $120 per person monthly with personal sessions, $100 for individuals and $200 for family. We look forward to have you join the conversation 
at famtfamily.com. to burn famtyfamily.com's transformational man cave continuing on our life raft tour of the youthful succession youthful succession principle of clement Pitcher. we're on the will of our heavenly father and we've been going through a number of elements of his will thank you for being present with us today the 15th element of the heavenly father's will is that man loves one another exactly as god as he loves us that we exhibit unconditional love for each other. See John 13, verse 34, John 15, 12, 1 John 4, 78 in the Holy Bible. Number 16 is that we bear each other's burden. Galatians 6, verse 2. Number 17 is prosperity. See Jeremiah 29, verse 11. Genesis 39, verse 2 to 5 also reveals true prosperity as communing with and welcoming God in our life situation and not to compartmentalize our heart help us father to give life a room in christ and not a, not christ a room in our lives the point we're making here is that there is that prosperity is uh, one element of the will of god and the bible defines prosperity as where we welcome god in our lives and we do not compartmentalize our lives that we love the lord our god with all our heart soul and mind and love our neighbor as ourselves. number 18 is that we have good success from knowing the truth of god's law see joshua 1 verse 9 now this implies that there can also be evil success if quote unquote if you apply the word evil with success which is not god's preferred will you can be what this world calls successful in evil but that is not the will of god we must have good success and good success comes from knowing the truth of the law of god and we understand that the law of god is completed in love is fulfilled in love love is the fulfillment of the law as the scriptures teach number 19 is that god's anointing and the anointing here speaks to his fragrance his painting his smearing his election his empowerment uh, that that power his spiritual power and equipment that he equips his successors to be with him that his anointing equips us to preach the good news and to be with him is in mark 3 14 that his anointing equips us to preach good news to the poor heal the brokenhearted deliver captives that is, those enslaved mentally, spiritually, but also literally incarcerated prisoners. And just on this issue of imprisonment, for example, in 2015, the Huffington Post reported that there were 150 exonerees who were wrongfully accused after, excuse me, the U.S. penal system stole about 15 years of their lives. So we're making the point that there are a lot of people that are incarcerated illegally or unfairly and a part of the element of god one element of god's will is that his anointing which is his painting his empowerment equips his people to free people from unfair uh, unfair imprisonment and we see sin as an unfair imprisonment of god's image bearers the human race the gospel reverses unfair judgments and frees sins exonerees and we're saying everybody who is afflicted by the sinful condition is 
is uh, is somebody who a sinner for example is someone that is under the unfairness of sin man was not made to be afflicted by sin and a part of what god's will is is that man be freed from sin recovering of sight to the blind is another element of what god's anointing is for to declare that christ's time is now and proclaiming god's retribution on evil isaiah 61 verses 1 to 2 luke 4 verse 18 to 19 tells us that Number 20 tells us that man being thankful in and for all circumstances is another element of God's will. And that's in 1 Thessalonians 5 verses 18 and Ephesians 5 verse 20. Number 21 tells us man's repentance, not destruction, is God's will. See 2 Peter 3 verse 9. Number 22 says man standing in God's image and likeness of love in the face of evil is another part of God's will. These are what we're empowered to succeed God in and to be his successors in. And that's in Ephesians 6 verse 13, John 17, 15. And the book goes through, the light raft goes through a number of other elements of the will of God. And goes to number 33, which is that man should assert God's image, likeness and glory over the entire world. So with that, we're going to take a break. We're making a point here that as successors to an infinite father, we have a massive mission to complete. So this is why we have been given the keys to the kingdom. And that's in Matthew 16, 18 and John 17, 22. This mission is huge, but it is mission possible, not mission impossible. And that is why God gives us his anointing, because we must complete our father's business and jesus christ said that in luke 2 verse 49 i believe we're going to pause for today we encourage you to give us your reactions on the regular channels our email is connect at fantifamily.com share this with your family and friends we also encourage you to give us a shout if you're on the anchor plan anchor anchor platform and also contact us on our fantifamily.com website as well as Panty Strong, which is our Facebook handle. Lincoln encouraging you to have a great day today. Crushing effeminacy. Why rob God in this world of you and your family? And until next time, be nuclear. Is the mindset of a messianic youthful successor. Lincoln here from Turn to Burn FamilyFamily.com's Transformational Man Cave. We encourage males to crush effeminacy and aspire to domestic excellence. We have been so privileged to be carrying you through a tour of our life raft, the first in this series on youthful succession. And we have been going through our Father's will, our Heavenly Father's will. Who, are you, who a successor is, etc. And today we're continuing with that and we're going into the mindset of a youthful successor. Thank you for being present today. I'm always convicted and impressed and floored whenever I explore my understanding of my mission statement as a grown man, quote-unquote, to see the mission mind that a 12-year-old Hebrew boy displayed under extreme Roman and Judaistic persecution. 
I'm also comically entertained by man or humans who think that we can carnally or in our own strength execute God's will. In the end, it is only those who do our Heavenly Father's will that will enter heaven, and it appears that many will not make it. See Matthew 7, 14-22. A successor in biblical or messianic studies is usually the family's eldest son. A successor takes over, secures, promotes, protects, or defends a bloodline, legacy, or a pedigree. Today, there are 10 main Clemepicha points that I feel are burdening God's heart pertaining youths. I feel our Heavenly Father saying, and we're going to go into this principle of Clemepicha, that, or I'll introduce it to it, that youthful successors, one, compulsively do Father's will, and that's C, compulsive, they're compulsive. Two, Youthful successors know all spiritual laws. They are learned. 3. They live from a balanced growth environment. They are environmentally conscious. E. 4. They surround themselves with strong mentors. M. They are meaning mentor managers. 5. They are exposed to proper spiritual practices early. So they are exposed early. 6. Youthful successes are proactive and self-assured. So P. Proactive. 7. Youthful successes depend on God and not man. They are independent. 8. They are innovative and creative. C. Creative. 9. They are humble. H. Humble. And 10. They are attentively coached or parented. So these spell out Clemme Picha. So the A here means attentively coached. In fact, I feel our Heavenly Father Yahweh transitioning parents to life guardians as many parents are more obsessed to pay rents than attentively guard or coach successors. The acronym C-L-E-M-E-P-I-C-H-A might help to remind you of the characteristics of a youthful Christian or messianic successor. So that is in an introduction to Clement Peter and in terms of that being the features or mindset of a messianic youthful successor. We will come back to or return to these Clement Peter points based on the life of Christ and his parents' approach to coaching him. So King Jesus Christ also being the son of man is one of his titles or the successor of mankind, the defender of the human race, is more than a suffering servant. He is the defender or the rescuer of Adam's bloodline. Adam and the biblical story of Adam is he is the first human created by Yahweh God. Adam's bloodline needed rescuing because of the Eden rebellion instigated by the enemy of man, Satan, in partnership with Adam's seemingly persuasive wife, Eve. And that's between Genesis 1 and 3 in the Holy Bible. They, that's Adam and Eve, had children after they rebelled by eating the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And so all their bloodline, including all of us here today, became affected and infected by the fruit of the forbidden tree. 
Because of their rebellion, Adam and Eve were bad parents. And I feel God saying that every rebellious parent, that is, those not in line with God's will, are essentially bad influences who are making it difficult for the children that for their children to represent or succeed Christ because of the legacy of the forbidden fruit in their bloodline. We're going to be continuing on this after the break. You or someone you know are interested in buying, selling, or investing in real estate in Naples, Florida. Give Rashid Wellesley a call at 239-207-2955. That's 239-207-2955. Lincoln here from TurnToBurnFamilyFamily.com's Transformational Man Cave, continuing on our tour of this, <clears throat> excuse me, of our Life Raft series number one on youthful succession. And we just made the point about Adam and Eve, the first human family, essentially setting up the rest of the human race for failure and disaster and not, be, not setting the stage for youthful succession. Thank you for being present with us and continuing with us today. A bloodline is your line of ancestors or what is called your pedigree and is determined by your DNA, your deoxyribonucleic acid as it's called. Deoxyribonucleic acid is called DNA, that's the acronym for deoxyribonucleic acid and is the molecule or chemical that provides the instructions to create you exactly as you are biologically. Some people even say in terms of your mental disposition as well. The Eden Rebellion resulted in a spiritual DNA switch between Satan's DNA, effectively replacing God's DNA, making Satan Adam's spiritual father. There's a, a, a theory in in messianic studies that when god made man he breathed into man and man became a living soul and that process of god breathing into man gave man spiritual dna because god's breath is who we call the holy spirit ruach elohim and for us as humans we were initially meant to live on the breath of god which makes us alive so we're making the point that, oh, in the same way, we have a biological DNA, a physical DNA that creates us biologically. We were created with spiritual DNA, which is the Holy Spirit, who creates us in God's image, who makes us operate, sorry, in God's image. We're making the point now that the Eden Rebellion, which is spoken of in the early part of Genesis, resulted in a spiritual DNA switch between Satan's DNA Reflect, effectively replacing God's DNA, making Satan fallen Adam's spiritual father in a fallen sense. See John 8:44 and John 10:26. It appears that when Satan's DNA entered man's spirit, the spirit of God, the DNA of the Father, see Luke 1:35, which speaks of Christ being born with the Holy Spirit resting on Mary, the spirit of of the Father 
The DNA of the Father left man's spirit and tainted and contaminated or corrupted God's image and likeness, which is man. Just like humans, purebred, purebred breeders only breed their animals with known purebreds. God does not mix his breed, man, with the devil. We're making the point here that when we cho- when man chose to sin, the spirit that was in us, which is the Holy Spirit, the breath of God, was evicted, quote-unquote. And what replaced that was a fallen spirit, the animal spirit, which is the spirit of the adversary, the devil. And that is the spirit that encourages man to use his choices in a destructive way. Now, God already knew this contamination of his pure breed was going to happen before he said, let light be. And he had man's successor and defender, Christ, his only begotten son, his only genuine, unperverted son, ready to spring into action. His unique son was ready to spring into action to totally clean up man's corrupted and tainted pedigree. Christ restored man's pedigree and those who believe in him receive his pure blood transfusion. Successors are very important as they can make a bloodline pure, a pure breed or thoroughbred, or they can keep it mixed and filthy, a mongrel or bastard pedigree. The main point, hopefully that's not offensive language, the main point to remember is that youths represent successors to a bloodline even if you're not the eldest. Your purpose and mission in life is to carry on a pure bloodline, both physically and spiritually, and to do your father's business. Your actions and habits now determine your family's pedigree, that is, the purity of the bloodline. You probably know a little of your earthly family's bloodline, but you also have a spiritual bloodline. Colossians 1 verse 15 in the Holy Bible impresses on me that King Jesus Christ of Nazareth is the firstborn of creation from which many others come. Similarly, the devil is in a sense a father of a line of successors as in John 8 verse 44. The question today, which bloodline are you succeeding? Failure to succeed Christ's bloodline means success in carrying on or succeeding the devil's bloodline. We're going to pause here today. We encourage your reactions on the usual channels, Famty Strong on our Facebook page, at Famty Strong on our Facebook, uh, and as well as connect at famtyfamily.com, which is our email address. If you're on the Anchor platform, you can call in, leave your reactions with us, and questions, comments, disagreements, etc. Bring us into that discussion that we encourage you to have in your family to use this as a platform use this life raft series as a platform for family discussion on this issue of youthful succession we encourage you to also visit us at fantafamily.com and leave us some of your contacts your comments there as well lincoln from family family encouraging you to have a great day crushing effeminacy why rob god and this world of you and your family and until next time be nuclear.
some examples are for us not to follow. Lincoln here from TurnToBurnFamilyFamily.com's Transformational Man Cave, where we encourage males to crush effeminacy and to aspire to domestic excellence. We are continuing on our Life Raft series on youthful succession. We have gone through the definition of a successor, the role of a successor, a messianic successor that is, one who is here to represent the legacy of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And we now are going into the, we ended the last the last podcast on the topic, who are you succeeding? Which bloodline are you representing? Uh, we made a point that you can represent a messianic bloodline that is representing the image of God, which is love through Christ, his only begotten son, his only birth, untwisted, unperverted son, his unique son. And Or you can represent a demonic bloodline, a bloodline of a being that is the complete opposite of love, completely self-centered and carnal, etc. And now we're moving on the topic of who are good examples and who are bad examples. We are today going to focus on the bad examples, people who did not represent the bloodline of Christ well. Thank you for being present today. The Holy Scriptures teach and describe many stories of sons who failed their fathers. I live with this conviction of failure as well as my earthly dad died without seeing me fulfill my spiritual purpose when I walked away from my relationship with Christ. There are terrible consequences to not being about our father's business. Here, Heavenly Father, we're speaking about. And here are some biblical examples of bad youthful successors who cheapened their family's pedigree and and bloodline. Number one, Jetha or Jetha, I'm not sure how you pronounce it. And you can see Judges chapter 8, verses 19 to 21. And this describes the failure of Gideon. Gideon is one of the Hebrew leaders in the Old Testament. They were called Judges. And they led during the time of a chaotic time after the Hebrews or the Eberites were in the promised land, but they were not possessing the promised land. Anyway, that's another story. So Gideon, firstborn son, Jetho, failed to slay two kings who killed his uncles. Jetho's failure meant that Gideon, his father, had to do the job of slaying these, these, these kings who killed, his, who killed his brothers himself. And Jetho robbed himself of an opportunity to grow up. Gideon could also have been embarrassed by his son's punkish behavior in front of his subordinates. Jetho did not replace his father or did not represent his father. And after his father passed, that is Gideon, the mostly disorganized judges ruled the Hebrews. I feel that this incident marked Jetho as a bad successor of his father. How many of our youths are skilled in handling the spiritual sword, which is the word of God, I believe you can see that in Ephesians 6. How many biblical and messianic truths can our youths apply to help them in the battles of life? Number two in the lineup of the, the hall of shame of messianic successors is Solomon. 
Similarly to Jetha, Solomon is seen as a kind of failure, as even though he built the temple his father David had, had the mind to build, see 2 Chronicles 6.15, he, Solomon, went after Moabite gods, and the Hebrew kingdom that was expensively united by his father David was ruined on his watch, see 1 Kings 11.5-14. Do we have a united and solid empire to leave to our successors? If we had one, could we confidently leave it to them? How many of our kids are cheapening their pedigree by worshipping at the Xbox, Facebook, and Newport altars every day? Number three, Phineas and Hophni. These are chief priests Eli's sons, and you could see 1 Samuel chapter 2, which details the demise of the Hebrew worship center in Shiloh. There's a whole story around that. This was because the chief priest Eli's sons rebelled against him and they desecrated or took cheaply the temple by using their status to get the best food and to be promiscuous. And we're going to continue on the story of Phineas and Hophni right after the break. Join the FAMTI Institute today and learn how to make better life choices by cultivating a godly mindset in our Messianic Mentorship programs. All programs are $120 per person monthly with personal sessions, $100 for individuals, and $200 for family. We look forward to have you join the conversation at famtfamily.com. You can hear from Turn to Burn, continuing on our Life Raft Volume 1 on the Youthful Succession Principle of Clemipicha. We are going through examples or bad examples, bad role models, people, uh, role models that did not succeed their father <coughs> and did not execute their messianic role. Thank you for being present with us today. We're going through Phineas and Hophni or Hophni. These are some uh, <clears throat> some sons of a chief priest in the Old Testament called Eli. In 1 Samuel 2, we started we ended off in the previous segment by saying that they abused their their status by using their father as the, the chief priest or the top pastor in Shiloh to get the best food and to be promiscuous, to get the best food and girls. Phineas and Hophni were greedy for worldly things and ended up losing the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant was a, a box that was in the, the, the temple to, and it was literally a portal that, that was a portal of God's glory and a mercy seat, a place where God would speak to the Hebrew high priest at a particular time of the year and throughout the, the year a place of of intimate fellowship and the expression of God's glory. They lost the Ark of the Covenant. Hophni and Phineas lost their lives and their father also died tragically. When we are not about our Heavenly Father's business, we will be about the devil's business and we will suffer the wage of chaos. However, 
the good news is that we can rejoice in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 19 because when we make these mistakes and when we turn around and believe in Christ, Christ resurrects as a new creation in us with his deoxyribonucleic acid, his, his DNA, which is the Holy Spirit. We can now operate from this standpoint of our bill being paid in full by Christ. We can be loyal to God out of appreciation more so than obligation. We're making the point that even though you start off, you may have started off like a Hophni or a Phineas. We're speaking probably to a pastor's son. We're speaking to somebody who has abused their status in society. And now you're thinking that there's no hope for you. To all satanic successors, people who have started out in life with a Usain Bolt start, there is hope today. If you believe that King Jesus Christ is God's son or his successor who represents God's image in flesh, if you believe that Jesus Christ of Nazareth has paid your bill with his father, so his pedigree can be so your pedigree pedigree can be improved, you can actually turn your life around. As we said, Usain Bolt has a worse start in the 100 meters, arguably, but he is the world record holder, 400 and 200 meters. The third example is Job's first children. So we're going through again examples of bad messianic successes. In Job 1, verses 5 and Job 1, 18 to 19, it appears Job, and Job is another ancient man in the Old Testament, it appears that Job's children were more interested in partying than anything else. Could it be that they were his weak link, or as we say in Jamaican slang, his quackle shirt? He, Job, would always try to cover them, cover quote-unquote them with his purse. But it appears that there comes a time when your children will have to develop a love relationship with Yahweh for themselves. It seems that Job's children were not alert to the enemy's attack, maybe because of their constant partying and entertainment. Sad to say, it didn't end up, very, it didn't end up well for Job's first set of children, and it appears his children were his Achilles heel, through which Eva's mascot, the devil, launched his famous attack on Job's family. On a side point, in the end, it was all for God's glory, as we know how Job's story ended. And for me, the story exhorts me to know even the mistakes are factored into God's permitted plan. But that's a side point to the main one of Job's first children not being good successors. In my research, so we looked at about four bad examples. In my research, there were fewer stories of good successors. Example, King Josiah, King David, a lady called Sister Amy Semple McPherson, and King Jesus Christ of Nazareth. We are going to continue on this now. We're going to switch to the story of good successors in the Bible, people who are good messianic successors, and we're going to be focusing on Jesus Christ of Nazareth and the King Josiah. And we encourage you to look for, look out for that. Hopefully, God God spare our lives. We can do that episode in the near future. We are, are grateful that you're here with us. We encourage you to share this with your family and friends who might be youthful or might be persons that are at the point where it might not have to be even be youthful, but you might be someone that is elderly at the point where you want to have someone to pass a legacy on. We believe that these are some useful, this is some useful information for you. If you're a youth, quote unquote, that's subjective, 
and you want to understand what your purpose is in life and that you are more than just someone that is somebody else's responsibility you can listen to this and share this as well we encourage you to give us your reactions at our famty at famty strong on on our facebook handle we also encourage you to share your reactions with us if you are on the anchor platform by calling in you can also send your emails to connect at famtyfamily.com and visit our website at famtyfamily.com. Lincoln encouraging you today to have a great day crushing effeminacy and to be great youthful successors. Why rob God in this world of you and your family? And until next time, be nuclear. succession has no age limit lincoln here from turn to burn famtyfamily.com's transformational man cave we encourage males to crush effeminacy and aspire to domestic excellence we're continuing on our life raft and on this volume we are looking at succession youthful succession and the principal is clement picho we've explained that well introduced it a little bit earlier the last in the last podcast we went through some bad examples of succession and now we're going on to great examples of succession in the bible messianic succession which is where people represent the image and identity of our father the creator yahweh thank you for being present in my research there are fewer stories of good successes in the bible example we have king josiah king david and a lady called sister amy semple mcpherson and of course king jesus christ of nazareth these are at least four examples of good successors a number of them are in the bible and one is more contemporary or recent we leave you to research the lives of king david and sister amy semple mcpherson for yourself to see how they were good successors of Christ and to explore the lives and today we explore the lives of Josiah and Christ well, between today and an upcoming, upcoming podcast. For those interested in the life of Sister Amy Semple McPherson, she is the founder of the Foursquare Church. There is a great online autobiography PDF called This Is That, which I highly recommend. Sister Amy fulfilled the calling on her mom's life and the Foursquare Church was born out of her Clement Peacher principle, out of her execution of the Clement Peacher principle. Now, in 2 Kings 22, the nation of Judah falls into idolatry, and an eight-year-old king, Josiah, is reintroduced to the Hebrew spiritual law book called the Torah. King Josiah is so convicted of the loss of national pedigree that he orders the priests, he orders the priests to find out what must be done for Judah to return to righteousness. A prophetess called Hulda is consulted who prophesies salvation if eight-year-old Josiah repents and obeys the Torah. Second Kings 23 documents the acts of repentance from idolatry done by this eight-year-old King Josiah. One important thing king josiah does is to study the word of god the torah 
as youths, eternal success is found in God's word. That is our eternal Xbox and PlayStation 2. God's will is also engrafted or conjoined in his word. And no son can succeed his father without knowing what his father's will or business or legacy is. King Josiah implements 2 Timothy 3 verse 15 and through his intimacy with the word of God was able to apply the knowledge of salvation, knowledge of God unto salvation and not only save himself but rescue the nation of Judah. Now fast forward to the greatest successor of all time in a future scripture chat. This story, and this is in St. Luke 2, this story of young Jesus is, to my knowledge, the only speaking role recorded in official scripture for Jesus prior to his three and a half year nuclear supernova display of a man living in God's image and pedigree. The backdrop for Luke 2 is probably a busy Jerusalem town with lots of people and chaos and confusion associated with the major Hebrew holiday Passover. This popular holiday is a celebration of the Hebrew or Hebraic defeat of a past world superpower Egypt through miracles and wondrous signs from Yahweh Elohim that destroyed that empire and resulted in the release of a wealthy set of former slaves. St. Luke 2 verses 1 to 7 describes Jesus' birth with a notable impression for me being the humility of the God of creation to endure the unsanitary conditions of his birth into an unwelcoming and self and selfish human race that he originally created to be his purebred thoroughbred family to worship him only. Luke 2 verses 8 to 20 describe how, how heaven revealed the angelic host, not to the proud and religious folks, but to the humble shepherds. The shepherds then became some of the first worshippers of the Christ child and left their workplace to find Christ. We know that the shepherds were probably Jews and would not be working on the Sabbath weekend, so they were not too busy to worship during the work week. And we'll take a break and continue right after this. You or someone you know are interested in buying, selling, or investing in real estate in Naples, Florida. Give Rashid Willesley a call at 239-207-2955. That's 239-207-2955. Lincoln here from Turn to Burn, FamityFamily.com's Transformational Man Cave. Continuing on our tour of the Life Raft series on the youthful succession, the Clement Peter Principle. Thank you for being present. We ended the previous segment going through some of the background to Luke 2 and exploring the life of Christ as a youth. The only, what I think is the only speaking, speaking script we see of, scribe, of Christ or a record of him before his adult life. So we ended saying that the shepherds were not too busy to worship during the work week. St. Luke 2 verses 21 to 24 details how Christ's parents ensured 
he was schooled in the spiritual practices that would assist him to become a good successor. Luke 2.25-38 shows that his parents, Christ's parents, respected the interaction between their son and the elders. As elderly people, namely Simeon and Anna, got to see the Christ child. Sometimes parents disregard the elders and think they have very little to offer their children. However, these elders were valuable as they were holding on to a promise of hope in the next generation. Are parents now shaping successors that show any hope to the elders around them? On another note, let's also see the purpose that our elders seek many times in our youth. Our elders seek value and worth many times in what they can do for the next generation. Luke 2 verses 39 to 52 show some interesting nuggets to encourage youths to become good successors and to help parents to equip youths to become sane. Here are 10 Kalemna Picha points, plus a bonus point to note from the reference track of St. Luke 2, 39 to 52. Number 1. Compulsive C. Youthful successors compulsively do Father's will. Here Father speaks to Heavenly Father, Yahweh Elohim, the Father of Christ. Christ was not lukewarm, and if we are his successors, we should not be either. The key verse, Luke 2.49, says when Christ said to his parents, Know ye not that I must be about my father's business. This verse reveals that Christ spiritually demonstrated, or as you'd say demonstrated, his zeal for restoring his father's bloodline as he had no other reason to live. We do many things in life, but there is one reason for life, to do father's will. See Ecclesiastes 12 verse 13 in the Holy Bible. Christ reacted to his appearance with surprise as he was the Passover lamb who needed to be accessed by all, and it was indeed Passover. He saw the people, his people, destitute in need of the lamb, and at 12 years old, in a sense, began his earthly ministry. One point is that the father employs no age limit on his successors and expects us to remove the multiple choice from doing his will, regardless of age. You're not too young for video games or Captain America or J. Cole or the Incredible Hulk, so you're not too young to heal the sick, to teach in Sunday school, to raise the dead and love your enemies. Youths that feel saved because they were baptized or spoke some tongues or joined their youth group or said a sinner's prayer without living on fire for God, are you really saved? Can you be saved without following or succeeding Christ? Can you follow or succeed Christ without denying yourself, including your Nintendo, and taking up your cross daily? Are you as serious about Christ as you are about video games, passion, money, worldly pleasure and entertainment? If you live not even hearing God's voice, or hearing his voice and rejecting him, then 1 Samuel 15 verse 23 says you're a devil worshipper, witchcraft worker, and iniquity promoter. Are you satisfied with that life? So we're going to be continuing on the other Clement Peter principles, hopefully in, a coming, in an upcoming podcast. We thank you for your attention and we thank you for your presence. 
and we're grateful for your reactions. We thank you for those that have continued to persist with this life raft. We know that you have a lot of options for your time and we're grateful for the time that you spend with us here at Turn to Burn with Fam to Family. We encourage you to bring us and continue to bring us in the discussions that you may be having on this principle of youthful succession by doing a number of things you can contact us at our facebook handle at famtstrong you can also email us at connect at famtfamily.com you can also respond to us if you're on the anchor platform by giving us a shout on anchor and you can also visit our website at famtfamily.com please we encourage you to share this with your family and friends and your enemies share this with people who are in the process of uh, exchanging or transitioning from one generation to the next or preparing for that transition people who may be looking at moving a family business from father to son mother to daughter and they are seeking some principles that they can share with their with their younger generation to be to encourage success and to promote success in an intergenerational way Lincoln encouraging you today to have a great day crushing effeminacy. Why rob God and this world of you and your family? And until next time, be nuclear. Christ is his father's model successor. Lincoln here from Turn to Burn FamilyFamily.com's Transformational Man Cave, where we encourage males to crush effeminacy and aspire to domestic excellence. We're continuing on our life wrapped tour of the Clement Peter Principles. We are looking at how people can become great messianic successors or successors of Christ. We have made the point that Christ is a great successor or someone who carries on the legacy of his heavenly father, Yahweh, the one who created the heavens and the earth. And he invites us to follow him as Luke 9 verse 23 encourages us. We have gone through a number of principles of being great messianic successors that Christ has taught us, being compulsive, learned, environmentally conscious, mentor, managing, exposed, early, proactive. And today we're going to be focusing on independence. Thank you for being present with us today. Youthful successors depend on God, not man. So we're independent of man. In a sense, Luke 2 verses 45 to 46 reveals that Christ was separated from his family for three days. As a side point, this seems a forerunner to his death for three, for three days, 21 years later, in ex- almost the exact same place he taught in when he was 12. Christ was separated from his body, the church, for three seemingly miserable and fearful days for them. And that was the only time scripture recalls Christ separate from his spiritual family. Similarly to how Christ's spirit separated from his body in the tomb for three days as the Bible teaches. Heaven protected the Christ child. And sometimes parents should and can understand that even though children are in your care, they belong to God or Yahweh Elohim who can more than adequately minister to their needs. It is alleged that the Aborigine tribe in Australia 
sends adolescent boys, and I believe it's not just Australia, but in the, the Pacific area, they send adolescent boys on a six-month isolated spiritual journey into the harsh wilderness on a what they call walkabout to trace their ancestral heritage. They are taught to depend on themselves and their ancestors' strength. If you come back, then you're seen as a man. To make an analogy, I believe God wants parents to lead children, starting with boys, to depend on Him and not man. Yes, children should and can enjoy being kids, and parents should and can provide and protect. But parents' responsibility biblically is not to raise children, as children are children without you. They need parents to train them to become adults capable of being Christ's successors, not to spoon-feed them as demonic successors. King Jesus Christ of Nazareth says in Matthew 5, Blessed are the poor in spirit, or those who are totally dependent on him, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. If you are totally dependent on God, if you are a divine mendicant in a sense, you are independent of man and cannot be destroyed by man's actions. Many religious parents teach sensitivity to people because of their lack of total dependence on God. Number eight, Messianic youthful successes are creative or innovative. So after the I comes the C, creative. Luke 2, 47-48 reveals that the knowledge of Christ bedazzled all those around him, including doctors, learned folks, and his own parents. Our youths must stretch our spiritual understanding and constantly bring new gospel revelations and insight to challenge the elders. This can be even transposed to bringing new business, or business innovations, new social innovations. If elders continue to outsmart and excel youths, there can be only one, there can be only stagnation if not spiritual decline in our society. Youths must and can challenge the status quo and be rebels for the gospel, for the gospel cause, if we are to quote-unquote defend or represent our Heavenly Father's bloodline. Our Heavenly Father has some new wine that cannot be poured into old vessels. This also means, means that elders have to encourage new ideas that, may, that they may not be totally comfortable with, but have no biblical or messianic grounds to reject them. Christ also heard the religious people and shows his willingness to listen to their views. The next principle is that the messianic youthful successors are humble. Youthful successors are humble. And Luke 2 verse 50 to 51 tells us a little bit more about that, which we will get into right after the break. Family.com's Transformational Man Cave, continuing to walk you through the life raft tour of the Clement Peter Principles of Messianic Youthful Succession. Thank you for returning, or for those of us just joining, thank you for being present today. We are going through the Clement Peter Principles, and we ended the previous one, which was that 
messianic disciples, messianic successors can be creative and innovative and are expected to be creative and innovative and to push the boundaries in a good way. Now we're on H, the ninth Clemenpeacher principle, which is, which is that youthful successors, messianic youthful successors, are humble. Luke 2, verse 50 to 51 shows Christ's humility as his knowledge and wisdom definitely surpassed his guardians, Joseph and Mary. He did not embarrass his guardians, but he humbled and subjected himself to them. Based on Philippians 2, true humility is found where you can subject yourself to people you are more intelligent than. Our youths today can lock us out of our phones. Sometimes this knowledge can get to their heads. Youths should and can be careful as fleshly pride is a work of the flesh and is antichrist. See 1 John 2 verse 16 in the Holy Bible. The tenth principle is that messianic youthful successors have attentively parents or have attentive parents or guardians. So A, they are attentively parented or coached. Luke 2 verse 51 also shows the more attentive maternal instinct as Mary, Jesus' mom, paid close attention to the Christ child. Parents need to pay close attention to children and understand their spiritual and natural giftings. When you do not understand your children, their designer, God, Yahweh, does, and he can open your eyes to their nature and what his plans are for them. Also, Mary, Christ's mom, seems to be Christ's first disciple as she observed his sayings in her heart. One of God's names as Elohim is Jehovah Shammah, and that's in Ezekiel 48 verse 35 which implies the self-made attentive God. God is there. So he is the attentive heavenly father that you may not have had in flesh. Even if you had the world's worst, sorry, most attentive earthly dad, even if you had the dad of dads in an in a earthly sense, he cannot compare to God's attentiveness as he could never estimate the number of years on your head. See Luke 12, 7, see Matthew 10, verse 13 in the Holy Bible. We're making a point that no dad in human form can compare to our Heavenly Father, Yahweh Elohim, the Father of Christ. He is eternal, and our dads essentially want one to step forward, the other in life, they're going to die, they're going to pass. We're going to be left on our own without them. He never leaves us on our own. And he is also one that knows every fine micro nano detail of our lives. Youths, I feel, Father, encouraging you that in developing a friendship with Christ through praying effectively every day and hearing his voice in the Bible and the scriptures, he promises to pay better attention to you than your earthly parents. And just to make it clear, even those that do not practice messianic disciplines of prayer, fasting, etc. Christ pays, God pays close attention to that as well. He pays attention to everyone, but that attention is received differently. Abba, our Heavenly Father and the Father of Christ, is all man unkind's Father. And that point is made in 1 Corinthians 8 verse 6, Deuteronomy 32 verse 6, Malachi 2 verse 10, 2 Samuel 7, 13 to 14, and Matthew 12, 50. 
and we're gonna end on the last point i know that 10th point is a, is a controversial one but we encourage your reactions the 11th point which we told you there was a bonus point on the clement peter principle so the clement peter points go through comp- that youth messianic youthful successes are compulsive learned environmentally conscious mentor managing exposed early proactive independent creative humble and attentively parenting but number 11 gives us a little more bite and a little more detail Number 11 says, even the Christ child benefited from good parents. So Clement Peter, youthful successors require good parenting and mentoring. Verse 52 of St. Luke 2 cements the importance of parents, no guardians. We're saying we're moving from people just paying rents to people that are now guardians and actively coaching their children. That, that principle of active guardianship was applicable even to Christ. Christ was Emmanuel, which means God with us, God with man, or the combination of God times man, that is, Emmanuel, Christ was God-powered man, man powered by God. However, as a human, his growth and development was still required and seemed to be positively influenced by the quality of parenting he received. So we're going to pause here for today. And we're going to continue to encourage your reactions to the Clement Peter Principles. But we went into a little more detail in the Clement Peter Principles of Messianic Youthful Succession that we believe are very helpful and can be very helpful to parents seeking to, to help their children to understand their role in the family unit. Uh, persons who may be leaders in, a, let's say, a church setting, a business setting, and a Messianic business. You're a leader and you want your successor to understand their role in the family, in the church setting, in the business. You can use these principles to help to instill and inspire what a, what, a, what your successor should be like. You as a successor can use these principles to understand how to position yourself to be a better messianic representative or a representative of our Messiah, the Son of Man and the Son of God, Christ Jesus of Nazareth. We encourage you to do our usual uh, call to arms here. Share this with your family and friends. Share this with persons in your in your 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 sphere of sphere of influence. We encourage you to give us your reactions if you're on anchor uh, by giving us a call in. Give us your reactions also by connect by emailing us at connectedfamilyfamily.com as well as hooking us up. We're not hooking us up. We're not fish, but uh, contacting us on our Facebook handle at FamTStrong and to visit us at our website at FamTFamily.com. Lincoln here encouraging you to have a great day, a great weekend, whatever time of the day it is for you. Crushing effeminacy, why rob God and this world of you and your family. And until next time, be nuclear. set our kids up for success. Lincoln here from Turn to Burn, FamilyFamily.com's Transformational Man Cave. We encourage males to crush effeminacy and aspire to domestic excellence. We are continuing on our tour of the life of our life raft tour. 
tour for life for life tour okay that makes sense and this is on the topic youthful messianic succession and we are on the clement peter principles today we're concluding on these principles and we're grateful that you're present with us today now i feel god wants us to wants to address a popular saying that parents cannot control or set up their kids' lives to be messianic successors. I understand that popular viewpoint that children can essentially make their own choices and even the best parental support can be rejected. We understand that viewpoint. <clears throat> However, is that what Proverbs 22 verse 6 says? That verse says, train up a child in the way he should go and in the way he should go. When he is old, he will not depart from it. That's in the Old Testament of the Holy Bible. Could it be that children that are bad successors of Christ, or put another way, good satanic successors, just were not parented messianically? Every child has to choose for themselves. We agree. But can we nudge our children in the best way with the content, information, and examples we expose them to? Can we stifle every excuse children could have to be messianic successors? This does not mean that kids get off easy with God because they were badly parented. But this means that improperly parented youths need to overcome more hurdles and obstacles to develop an intense relationship with Yahweh, the Father of Christ, and become his successors. We are making the point here that parents can make it more difficult for children to be messianic representatives, to be representatives of Jesus Christ, and parents have the exact opposite role. To close the Clement Preacher Principles discussion, Christ was the original divine successor. As he was Clement Peter, he was compulsive, sorry, he was and is compulsive, learned, environmentally conscious, mentor managing, exposed early, proactive, independent, creative, humble, and attentively parented. He was about his father's business from in his diapers, and he was positively influenced by his parents. In contrast to Jetha, Gideon's son, Christ swung the sword from a tender age. Opposite to Solomon, David's son, Christ rejected false gods when the devil tempted him in Matthew 4. Opposite to Hophni and Phinehas, Eli's sons, Christ humbled himself and did not disadvantage others based on who his father was. Unlike Job's first children, Christ was not preoccupied with entertainment like ex-bosses and mall hopping. I think God wants us to remember this. Youths represent, or we say represent, successors to a bloodline. Your purpose, your mission in life as youths is to carry on a bloodline or pedigree, both physically and spiritually, and to do your Heavenly Father's business. If you own God as your father, you will be about God's business. But if you disown God as your father, you will be about Satan's business and devalue your own pedigree and that of your offspring. 
The question today remains, which bloodline are you succeeding or representing? Whose business must you be doing? The business you do will depend on who you own as a father. Christ said that your bloodline is determined by whose will you do. See Matthew 12 verse 50 in the Holy Bible. Christ has equipped you to be a victorious successor of God. Your move is to believe Christ, deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow or succeed or replicate, represent Christ's example. See Luke 9.23 You can do this and your heavenly father expects you to represent him because you have access to every divine resource in Christ, including his spirit. You can be redefined by your Heavenly Father's grace instead of your earthly father's mistakes. We'll continue on this right after the break. Family.com's Transformational Man Caves. We are concluding on this tour of the life raft, Clement Peacher Principles. This is on youthful succession and how, can, how we can en- enable and equip the next generation to be like Christ. Thank you for being present with us today. In our previous segment, we concluded on Christ being the example, the model of who a divine successor is. We are now encouraging youths to look at Christ as the Clement Peter model, someone who was and is about his father's business and completed his tour in flesh and encourages us to do the same to represent our Heavenly Father as we walk this earth. Are you baptized in water? Are you baptized in God's Spirit? Baptized here means to be immersed and initiated to be fully wet overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit demonstrated this baptism in the Holy Spirit is demonstrated or as we say it here in family family demonstrated by love joy peace gentleness meekness goodness faithfulness patience and self-control that's in Galatians 5 22 are you consumed or obsessed by the Word of God are you discipling anyone for Christ at your tender age Are you more interested in Yahweh or God, the Father of Christ, than your own entertainment and pleasure? Is God your entertainment? Are you passionate about the Messiah? Are you engaging or pushing your church or your family unit to higher heights in God? Are you willing to stand alone for Christ, even without those closest to you? Are you willing to give God, Yahweh, your best years, as Ecclesiastes 12 verse 1 exhorts? We at Family Family congratulate those Clement Peacher youths who are about Father's business. However, if you are not, then you are about Satan's business and heading for eternal destruction. But now is the day of salvation. If you hear God's voice, do not resist him. Through the gift of his only complete son, Christ Jesus of Nazareth, God is inviting you back into his pure bloodline as his successor. 
It is impossible for a son not to mirror at least some of his father's traits. Who is your father? Do you even know? If you are not, as the scriptures say, born again or regenerated through God, scripture says you are an eternal orphan. If you don't know your heavenly father, then you are not owning God. God is the world's best father, and he wants to father you. Satan, the opposer of the human family or human race, is a pedophile or a child molester who wants to destroy you. By disowning God, you willingly submit to a child molester as your father. Do you want a pedophile as your father? If you do, you will also manifest the tendencies of a spiritual pedophile as you prey on others just as your father Satan has coached you. You were created for one purpose, to be God's successor. God has set you up for success if you change your mind about who he is, but more so who you are to him. God wants you to come home to his open arms. A closed Bible is a closed mind, and a clean knee means a dirty heart. Christ came and showed that his relationship with his Father was not his weekend hobby, but his life's passion, mission, and business, and Christ equips his believers to be the same. Yahweh Elohim has equipped you for success through you developing a friendship with his only begotten, genuine, authentic, complete Son, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. What do you want now? If you hear God's voice, don't harden your heart. A sinner is a faithful unbeliever, while a saint is a faithful believer. The more you resist God, the better you get at it, and the more you submit to God, the better you get at holy submission. The more you resist God's voice, the more deaf to his voice you get. You cannot represent a father you cannot hear. You have no excuse as Christ, who is the fullness of the Godhead in flesh, see Colossians 2 verse 9, has come and we are fully equipped to represent our Heavenly Father with Christ in us. He that has ears to hear, let him hear. Let's celebrate Luke 2 verse 49 by being Clement Peter. Lincoln here from Turn to Burn. Thank you for coming to the end of another Manliness Rally with us. If you need assistance in implementing and executing or following through on the proposals, on the suggestions, on the hints that we gave you today, we encourage you to visit us at famtfamily.com and to sign up for one of our Messianic programs. We also encourage you to join our Facebook family or at our Facebook handle, famtstrong. You can also email us at connect at famtfamily.com. Lincoln encouraging you to have a great day today, crushing effeminacy. Why rob God and this world of you and your family? And until next time, be nuclear.